Ayo, welcome to another episode of the Brian Nichols Show. I'm your host, Brian Nichols, and we are ready for another fun-filled episode of the Brian Nichols Show here on the We Are Libertarians Network. As always, you can follow me over on Twitter at BNicholsLiberty, uh, but also find me on Facebook, also at BNicholsLiberty. And if you enjoyed today's episode, swing over to Patreon, subscribe, again, at BNicholsLiberty. And also, please feel free to go and find us on iTunes, rate and review. If you enjoyed today's show, the, the best way we're going to be able to spread the message of liberty is for you to, to share with your family and friends. Let them know that you enjoy the Brian Nichols Show and we can help grow the audience here. And then finally, if you are interested in one of these wonderful, amazing, don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff, bumper stickers, feel free to shoot me an email at Show at gmail.com. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great bumper sticker. It's, it's going to get your car all sorts of attention in the best of ways. It'll spark some conversation. Put it on your laptop. Put it on your car. Put it on your front window. I don't care where it goes. Just go ahead. Send me an email if you're interested. We'll go ahead and coordinate the uh, the details. Uh, but for today's episode, we actually have a gentleman who uh, who's joined the show today. Um, who he himself has actually purchased uh, a couple of these these bumper stickers to help broad. Uh, I guess advertise for his brand new book that's coming out. Uh, we have uh, joining me today. It's uh, Remzo Martinez. He is the uh, the author of the newest book, uh, libertarian book coming out called Stay Away from Libertarians, which will be available on June, I think it's June 27th. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Rims, all right? June, June 23rd? 23rd, dude. June, June 23rd. 23rd. There we go. And, and but, yes? but you could go ahead, and if you want to help me out, you can go ahead and buy a $25 copy, and I'll sign it and send it to you myself. You can pre-order those now at rwmartinez.com slash book. There you go. And I, I was laughing because I was watching the uh, <laughs> the, the preview um, YouTube video you had. And, uh, and it the... just came up as soon as you said 27. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, it's, it's the, the line with the teacher. And it's like, Remzo can write? Remzo's ninth grade, ninth grade <laughs> English teacher. <laughs> I was like, that's that marketing gold. That's fantastic. Well, listen, really quick, guys, before uh, we get into the uh, the middle of the, the, the show here, because we're going to obviously – you know, let Ramso kind of give an idea about his book, kind of spark your, your interest, if you will. Um, but first and foremost, a little bit of housekeeping. So, yes, The Brian Nichols Show, we are a libertarian podcast. That's no secret if you're returning to it to the show again today. But if you're a newer uh, listener, welcome. Thank you. Uh, you know, thank the person who invited you. And to give you some insight. So, yes, we are a libertarian podcast, but don't let that scare you. So the way that we formulate the show here is really... The Brian Nichols Show's goal is three things. Number one, educate. Number two, enlighten. And number three, inform. We're going to cover the news and all the happenings of the day in an objective manner. And furthermore, one of the newer kind of, I guess, it's become uh, a pseudo part of the show is having guests on to discuss either you know what, what's going on in their life or to discuss um, these various issues of the day. And to try to find common ground if we do find ourselves disagreeing, so we can at least understand where each other is coming from. Now, obviously, today with Remso, Remso, I'm not gonna you know try to, to identify you uh, something you're not, but Remso is a small L libertarian, uh, so he's kind of in my camp where I'm still a member of the uh, the bigger, larger GOP. Um, but identify with uh, the libertarian um, party, identify with the libertarian philosophy. I want to see the Libertarian Party do better, <laughs> so I, I find myself, uh, you know, doing some commentating on the side. Unfortunately, that uh, often gets uh, ignored. But hey, you know, it happens. Um, so, with that being said, Remzo, I wanted to thank you again, man, for uh, for joining the show today. So, 
I mean, I was going through, you sent me a pre-copy of the book. Um, you know, I gave it a read. It was a great read. It's an easy read, which I think, you know, is good. It's a, it's a hundred pages or so, um, which makes it really nice, easy weekend kind of read for someone to enjoy. Uh, so I, I think it's it's important for the, the listener to kind of get an idea. What made you say, hey, you know what? This book, stay away from libertarians. This is a book that needs to get that needs to get written, and it's a story that needs to get told. It, it got to the point in my life where I got tired of having to say I'm a libertarian, but. <laughs> and usually after that, it was, but I'm not for crack cocaine vending machines and daycares. But I'm not for prostitutes on like you know every corner of a church. I'm not for like you know being a nudist and stuff like that. Like it got to the point where once you say you're a libertarian, you stop being you and you start becoming the stereotype and the stereotype and what a libertarian actually is are two very separate things. And no one has ever written a book really covering that. When we see a book about libertarians, it's always about, um, you know, it's always another reintroduction to the philosophy of libertarianism or it's another manifesto or something else. It's always the same book. I don't think libertarians have really ever ventured out beyond what is libertarianism. It's always the same thing. You can only, you know, regurgitate the same stuff so many times. So I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to go ahead and address the real problem, which is why do libertarians have such a bad stereotype and, you know, who are they? Because here's the thing. I'm a libertarian. You're a libertarian. We all – everyone at some point now because the war has become so big and now it's a household word, it's – um. It's gotten to the point where everyone knows somebody who's a libertarian, and when we meet them, hopefully it's not you know the guy that looks like he's the next Oklahoma City bomber. It's your neighbor. It's your friend. It's your coworker. It's someone you ran into. It's a person you like. It's a celebrity. It's somebody. We need more of a positive outlook on what you know who are these libertarians apart from that so that's one aspect to go into the book. It's to learn who the libertarians are, but it's also for libertarians to a large degree because I don't think they often look in the mirror. And by that, I mean we don't often understand why people freak out when they listen to us or when they see us or something. So it's kind of like a two-way mirror. It's a chance for the world to go ahead and see what real libertarians are like, and it's also a way for libertarians to see how the world perceives them. So that way we can go ahead and bridge this dialogue because if people don't like you, they're not going to want to go ahead and sit down if you nonetheless want to be associated with you. So that's, that's kind of the gist I had of the book. I wanted to ask you this because th I think this is a really important thing for libertarians to hear uh, from someone – who, who is trying to be objective about the, the movement as it is in a larger scale. Based on your interactions and just your overall experiences, Remso, what would you say is the biggest issue that libertarians have in terms of trying to reach beyond the confines of the, the you know, the libertarian Facebook groups, the the more centralized libertarian movement. What is it that it's stopping the libertarian messaging from getting beyond those individuals and actually having a true impact in reaching not only people in the more conservative side of the political aisle, but also those more on the left who maybe would agree with some of the more socially accepting slash tolerant views that libertarians promote. 
So I, I call social media many things. One of them is Internet Fight Club because everyone just <laughs> like seriously, that's what's come down to. Everyone wants to be right and everyone wants to win an argument. And I've won many arguments in my life, but I haven't necessarily won many supporters. And that's a very, very big thing that people need to understand. With libertarians, I, I think it comes down to two very very difficult things that they need to grasp. They don't speak the same language as everyone else, and they talk down to other people. So mm -hmm. they go ahead and they talk about the Leviathan and violence that the state uses through force and coercion. But we see this giant creature that's going to confiscate your guns and send you off to Auschwitz, whereas regular people think of the DMV and the woman that's still calling, you know, number two and you have the 500 ticket. Like they just don't necessarily see it the same way because they're not on our level of thinking what is the relationship between you and the state. Secondly, I see far too often people say, well, you know, just read this book, read this. It's <laughs> like, I don't think the problem is that people haven't read enough books. I mean, obviously that's a problem, but the problem is that that's not, no one's going to read the freaking book that you just told them to, especially if it's like man, state and economy, like no one's going to go ahead and read that. You might as well say, go ahead and recite Atlas Shrugged by memory. So we go ahead and we, we talk in these big academic words and then we go ahead and we talk down to them. And then what we do is we're so eager to win the argument. We're not actually learning why we need to go ahead and bring more people over libertarians because here's the thing everyone is passionate about something no one's just arguing with you just because they want to argue with you some might but that person that goes ahead and they start arguing about why we need to go ahead and make sure we still have entitlement spending for the poor that's something they're passionate about they're passionate about helping people they're not really passionate about handouts they're passionate about helping people so why not go ahead and talk about how free markets and lack and less intervention and how this dependency state is hurting the people they want to go ahead and help? Why not have the conversation with them that they're already having with themselves? Don't talk about the drug war to someone that's worried about religious liberty. Don't talk about stuff that they don't care about. Have the conversation with them that they're already having and talk to them like a regular person because they already know you. I mean, you already know that you're smart. You don't always have to prove it. The sign of a stupid person is when they have to tell you how smart they are. Amen. So I, I think that's the biggest thing. And it's actually funny that you you start off with saying. We have libertarians who aren't speaking the language. Um, so last episode, uh, it was actually me re-airing an episode that I had uh, joined on. It was over at Otters Talking Politics. And that was one of the questions that John actually asked me. And I, I, it's a question that I try to answer in a succinct manner just based on my, my public relations and marketing mind. And one of the, the things I, I brought up was specifically what you're referring to, and I call it libertarian speak, uh, where libertarians you know, will, will go on these, these massive soliloquies talking about the, the, like you said, the Leviathan state talking about uh, criminal justice reform and, and they'll go on and on and on and people's eyes glaze over and they just shut down because they don't want to hear what you're trying to say because they're just not, it's not registering. And I think that's a, you mentioned a really good point is trying to talk to people on the things that are interesting to them uh, because I think, and I always approach this in, you know, as you've experienced working with Matt Kibbe, but also, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Jason Stapleton is the mindset of not hurting people and not taking people's stuff. And my mindset is if we can try and take that messaging and reach out to people 
in that type of uh, framing of the libertarian ideals, I think we're going to be able to find that a lot of people, by and large, agree with that assessment. It's just a matter of being able to assign that assessment to, be it drug-related issues, poverty issues, social rights issues, and I think we'll be able to create more converts that way. Your thoughts? I mean, absolutely. You brought it down to the most bare-bones example that you could possibly do. It's that, you know, you can go ahead and, you know, like, who cares about Murray Rothbard? Like, seriously, like, who actually really cares about him? No one does. You know what people care about? People care about themselves, their family, and their stuff. Go ahead and you bring it down to the most basic level. I want to make sure that our tax system isn't as crazy as it is because one day if you screw up i don't want someone knocking down your door shooting your dog and throwing you in a rape cage with a whole bunch of gangbangers yep. you say that to someone they're gonna be like well what the heck yeah okay <laughs> like you just made them the reason why you care because when they know that you care when they're like wait a second this guy actually is advocating for me and he disagrees with me on much stuff but he doesn't want me in jail he doesn't want me hurt you take it down to that you've just hit a very animal instinct it's that self-preservation mentality and like that really personalizes it for them so let's uh let's circle back to your book because i think your book has a lot of great tools in terms of not necessarily just reaching people who are I would say libertarian curious, uh, but also to try and reach out to those that are the, you know, the big R, big D Democrat Republicans and to help make it easier for them to understand the libertarian value system. So in chapter 10 of your book, which was, it's the libertarians fault, which I think we, if you're a libertarian, you've at least heard that five, 10 times uh, in your life, even as recent as in, in 2018 with the special election over in, in Pittsburgh. I, I forget the gentleman's name who ran as a libertarian third party, but ended up the the number of votes he received was actually, it was the uh, margin of victory for the Democrat over the Republican. Um, so obviously it was, it was his fault that the Democrat won over the Republican. But it was funny, in your book, there was um, a, a part in your book where you're talking about you were out door knocking and um, the guy that answered the door asks, what party is he? And you said, libertarian. And he said, nope. And he, sh he tried to shut the door on you. And he said that libertarians never win. You just split the vote so Republicans win. Um, I thought that was fascinating because I, as a somebody in the Republican Party, I've always heard the critique of libertarians being the exact opposite. No, you, you don't vote for libertarians because that's how Democrats win. I mean, that was the argument that was being pointed out in 2016 in not voting for Gary Johnson. They'd say, don't vote for Gary Johnson because you're going to let Hillary Clinton win. So, I mean, can you kind of pick up from that, that chapter in your book and, and your experience and just your thoughts on this, this greater issue of libertarians being the spoiler candidate? Yeah, and that – I mean you brought up a little door-knocking PTSD. I call that guy Mr. Heartbreaker because the one detail you, you didn't mention is one that I love to bring up. It's the fact that he was wearing a giant shirt that said Wiz Khalifa 2016 and it had a pot leaf on it. So I'm like, oh my <laughs> that's gosh. Right, that's I'm right. Speaking, I'm speaking to like the most perfect person I could talk to right now. So to have him, of all people, like slam a door in my face really broke my heart. But it, it, it comes down to this. I, it's like a slave mentality. Um, 
I forgot where it was, but Harriet Tubman, she was establishing her Underground Railroad network to free slaves from the south to the north. She said, I saved a thousand slaves, but I could have saved a thousand more if they knew they were slaves. And the mm. thing is, we, we've developed this false dichotomy that you have to go ahead and stick to the left-right spectrum. You have to either give a little bit of economic freedoms for civil liberties or vice versa. You have to vote for the Democrat or the Republican might win and vice versa. The biggest thing, and I know you'll have some questions about this, so I'll try and make it a little bit brief. But we have this idea that third parties, they're not valid. Well, Actually, I, I take a giant disagreement with that, and the numbers and the stats and the way that things are actually impact really go inside of my argument. There's no bigger shock to the system you can do than vote for someone that is for your values, and sometimes that's a Republican, sometimes that's a Democrat, sometimes that's a Libertarian. Voting third party gives a giant statement because what well, says you're willing to opt out of the same two failed systems. So that's one big thing. They keep saying it's not valid. I'm saying it might be the only valid choice you will ever have sometimes. Secondly, they say, well, a vote for libertarian is a wasted vote. I, I believe, and you know, I'm going to stop saying libertarian. I'll just say a vote for X, a vote for anybody is a wasted vote. I believe the only wasted vote is the vote that you don't believe in for somebody that you know does not have your general interest at heart. So that's the other thing. The biggest thing that has bugged me because it takes some mental gymnastics to go ahead and pull this out is voting for X means Y will win instead of Z. And that's just like stupid, stupid preschool level logic right there. So if I go ahead and I eat at Subway instead of McDonald's, does that mean that Burger King got the sale? <laughs> If I vote for Gary Johnson, does that mean that that's a vote for Trump? Does that mean that that's a vote for Hillary? Robert Reich, who's supposed to be a smart guy economist, goes around saying, well, you know, because of the Gary Johnson votes, that's why Trump won. And it's really funny because you talk to some other people and they're like, well, you know, all those Gary Johnson votes were really just Hillary votes. And it's just like the dumbest thing I ever Last I checked, Gary Johnson wasn't saying, okay, we're going to go ahead and take this box of votes right here. We're going to go ahead and give it to Hillary Clinton. Like, that's not <laughs> how it works. So that whole idea that they're stealing votes, it here's the thing. I don't think I've ever really met anyone that got involved in a race because they wanted to help somebody else win. I really don't know if that has ever happened. There have been some cases where it seems like that, like maybe they're they, maybe they want to be someone's running mate or something. But I've never known of anybody that got in a race to go ahead and swing it for somebody else. That just doesn't happen because no one's gonna go ahead and put themselves through the pain and rigor and financial and reputational, you know, skullduggery that's gonna take place just because they want somebody else to win. They might as well put that time and ener energy to actually help them win instead of possibly being a risk to them. So this whole mentality when it comes to our electoral politics, we've just like I blame the public education system primarily, but we've just really we've really messed with people's concepts of how things work. And the other thing is, you know, there's a societal aspect. Um, libertarians promote uh, moral relevancy. Libertarians promote vice. Libertarians want a Mad Max 
style society when in fact that's the most ridiculous thing you could possibly infer all we want is for you to make your own choices as long as you don't hurt people and take their stuff and the only person that's actually dictating how to live your life or what you can't do or incentivizing vice or disincentivizing vice is government so once you say that you know people start getting a headache and they're like "Ah, i don't know what you're talking about but that's what it really comes down to. So what we've done is we've we've poisoned the societal pool, saying that libertarians want anarchy and just you know a, a, a Terminator Judgment Day type scenario, so we can all start from scratch. And then they steal votes and they're a wasted vote and they're not a real vote and it means nothing. So that's what that whole chapter's uh, really about. Because what we've done is we've used libertarians as a scapegoat. For the only two parties that have ever really actually screwed with America, Republicans and Democrats. So I guess that leads to the next question is what what should libertarians do to help get rid of that perception? Do something versus nothing. And by nothing, there is a way to not do anything. It's to be on Facebook all day. You know the sign of a real stereotype come to life? It's the Facebook activist. I saw a person that literally said, (laughs) I'm an online activist. I manage several big groups. Oh, jeez. And And they weren't kidding? No, they weren't kidding. And they were proud of that. They They were absolutely proud of that. And... Like you actually have to go out and do something. And that, that kind of leads to the next question when it always it always comes down to politics. Well, what party should I be a part of? And ultimately, here's the answer. I don't care. I really don't care. Because I, I think no matter where you go, if you feel that you're in the right place for your time and your energy, that's where you need to be. Um, you know, I've become not necessarily agnostic to the political process, but, you know, I think when we just solely focus on politics, we're not hitting the, the bigger picture, which is promoting a lifestyle of freedom. I, I'm, uh, I'm big into the ideas of agorism because what it essentially says is you can make the state irrelevant. And if you make a system that is efficient and productive and profitable enough, the state will just wither away. Because people won't utilize it. People won't need it. So, you know, don't just focus on politics, but focus just on your life. Focus on actually, you know, promoting virtues. Go to a local farmer's market. Invest in Bitcoin. Don't ask for a permit when you need to go out and help your kid build a lemonade stand. Like, there are so many ways to do this. I hate it when they're like, you have to only join the Libertarian Party. Or when they're like, you have to only join the Republican Liberty Caucus. I, I don't care what you do. Um, you know, I, I, I go where I feel that my time and energy is best spent, and it's not with the Libertarian Party. And I'm not saying that's the best thing that people need to do. I think that some people need to go where they need to go, because ultimately, what have the progressives and the neocons done? They've infected everything. Why can't we do that? So I think one... Yeah, that's That's kind of that. No, no, yeah, and I was going to say, so one thing I think also that libertarians have issue with, and it does come again back to this PR side of things, not so much the way that we have been framed by the other two parties, but also in terms of how we've let some of the more radical voices within our movement um, sometimes be the face of the movement. So there's a chapter in your book. Uh, which was called uh, Alt-Right versus Galt-Right. And I thought that was a, a very clever title. <laughs> um, but it, it kind of digs into this this identity crisis that some libertarian uh, groups and organizations have faced in this 
almost, you know, this alt-right intrusion into the libertarian movement with this identity politics. Can you speak more to um, the the actual, you know, not only your, your the chapter in your book, but also kind of your overall, um, I guess your, your uh, I don't say appreciation, but just your, your analysis of looking at what we experienced only in 2016, but even nowadays in 2018, where we still have some of those, those leftover voices from that alt-right um, pseudo-attempted takeover. It, um, it, it's really, it's really kind of complicated when, when you put it that way, because what we have dealt with in the liberty movement is we've dealt with a lot of censorship. We've dealt with not being treated as equals. We've dealt with not being treated as legitimate. And what we've seen is a lot of people just, you know, they, they fall in love with these ideas. And then when they get involved in the liberty community, they just kind of fall out. So when we do meet people that, um, you know, echo, I'm not going to say really believe in what we say, but they echo what we say. And we see that we can get things done with them. We tend to excuse a lot of their behaviors. And let, let's just be frank. A lot of libertarian stereotypes are true. A lot of stereotypes of many people and different groups and ideas and philosophical schools are true. And the thing is, I think we really dropped the ball for a long time and we allowed certain people to jump in and take the moniker of libertarian who weren't libertarian. And if I think there is one positive thing that came out of 2016, primarily through the Trump circles, it's that you know we purged. I think the greater libertarian community of these, this uh, this alt-right neo-confederate type of mindset, this mindset of Pinochet was good because he knew how to treat the communists, and that's the only way you can get your libertarian society. I had a guy you know, tell me at CPAC one day that the only way to get a libertarian society is to get rid of all the non-whites because they don't appreciate Western values. Oh, come on, jeez. And it, it really comes down to this, and I hate the whole libertarian pissing contest of, oh, are you a libertarian or not? It comes down to this. If you want to hurt people or take their stuff, you're not a libertarian. I, I think it – like we got we to break it down Barney style. You know, let's just go ahead and, you know, call out the, the wild Kekistani alt-right elephants in the room. There are, you know, Facebook pages out there that have liberty in their name, but they're praising Pinochet and praising white supremacists like Corey Stewart. And they're praising, uh, you know, ev everything they like is libertarian and everything they don't like is communist. And that's, you know, for them, they, they'd rather talk about why monarchies are good instead of why some of the work at the Cato Institute is good or why some of the stuff that, you know, some libertarian candidates have done are good. Instead, they'd rather go for these fringe guys like, like Paul Neal in, in, in Wisconsin. And it's just like, what, what do you really want? You don't want a society based on liberty. You just want to force people. You, you want to purge the environment of everyone you don't like. And that's what it comes down to. And I'd say to take it a step further, it's that one thing about being a libertarian, I think <laughs> going from the, the larger GOP tent that I found myself in for, for quite a while is that being a libertarian a, a lot of times can be pretty lonely uh, because you, when you go out through your, your daily interactions with people across your, your, your daily day-to-day -day life, you're probably the only libertarian in, in that kind of that sphere of your personal, your personal influence so when you find individuals that mirror your views in in this idea of libertarianism, we kind of find ourselves getting into this collectivist mindset ourselves, which, for better or for worse, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm 
calling it what it is. And, and I think that also kind of speaks to what you were talking about, where we get this mindset that there are some, like you mentioned, the, the you know, no-name Facebook or Twitter uh, groups with liberty in their name, that they go out of their way to promote this groupthink mentality and this collectivist mentality, but using the they're using the fake, the, the faux being libertarian as the means to promote their ideas. And like you said, that to push everyone else away instead of actually trying to bring these people that maybe we disagree with uh, philosophically and ideologically, trying to bring them into our movement and to, to educate, to try to, to help them understand the, the very concepts of liberty and to make it so it's easier for them to at some point, maybe make a transition into libertarianism. I mean, you know, my background is in public relations, and to see, you know, people making cancer jokes uh, on Twitter, let's say, for instance, that's not a means to bring a new audience in to actually be receptive to the message of liberty. I mean, that just, it, 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 it alienates such a great potential audience and at that point, that audience has turned off, and they're not going to listen because that original interaction that was so negative is going to be their their lasting image of what a libertarian is yeah and i mean to, to show an example like you know the the guys at liberty hang out with the pinochet jokes and everything else you know they they call everyone a warmonger when it comes to you know rightfully calling out unnecessary military intervention and then they go ahead and talk about the perils of uh of communism and everything else and they go ahead and they make their pinochet jokes and stuff like that but you, you know what like here's a real question. Like you really want to screw off their heads? Who's going? You know they they wear the they have stuff the the snapbacks that say taxation is theft and all this other stuff. And then they call everyone that you know says oh maybe we need to consider like universal basic income a communist and everything else. But like here's here's like a serious question. When they finally do get into a position of power and they start throwing all the communists and the feminists outside out, out of helicopters, like how are they going to pay for those helicopters? <laughs> and 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 how, like ser like seriously how are they going to pay for them no you're you're right i don't have an answer for yeah. you like 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 how how are they going to pay for them and then you know there someone's gonna find me on twitter the helicopters were privatized who wants to ever be associated with the helicopter company that threw out grandma because grandma said, where's my social security check and next you know liberty hangout she's a communist throw her out <laughs> You're going to go kidnap this woman that has no clue what you're talking about and wants to know where her social security check is because you called her a communist and you're going to take your government-sponsored helicopters and throw her out to protect your taxation as theft, anarchist, and utopia. <laughs> Real freaking smart. <laughs> and, and I think one thing, too, that libertarians, we tend to get this ANCAP section of the liberty movement. And, and don't get me wrong, if if I could see an ideal world, it would, yeah, it'd be an ANCAP society, but like... ANCAPistan. Exactly. It would be ANCAPistan, and I think <laughs> I, th I think any any you know, libertarian, that would be the ideal society. The problem is, is that it's an ideal society. It's it's this utopian libertarian society, and, and it's funny because I see some of those in the ANCAP realm of the liberty movement who 
they they poke fun at communists saying oh yeah look at this communist you know this this communist utopia that you seem to think of i'm like dude you're 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 promoting a utopia yourself instead of looking at where we are right now i mean they're they're trying to go from zero to a hundred with 100 being the end point and like dude we're we're at like 27 on that scale like you you're you're skipping over a whole bunch of numbers in the middle that we need to play catch up with and it, it's just when i look at this this note this group of the libertarian movement and these ancap uh you know yes their 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 vision is right but the realism behind it isn't there's no pragmatic approach to you know, getting to this quote-unquote ANCAP society. I mean, I, I had Adam Kokesh on. He's looking to run for uh, for the 2020 nomination there for Libertarian uh, Libertarian uh, presidential nomination in 2020, like I mentioned. And um, you know, his his big push is to be elected president and then via executive order to disband the federal government. And oh, okay, like, I'm, I'm going to stop you right there real fast. <laughs> like, no, like, there's a, there's a really good point, and I wish I had talked about this in the book, but I didn't, because I really didn't consider it until later. What's the difference between an Adam Kokesh campaign for president and a Daryl W. Perry campaign for president? Tell me. Well, they're both anarchists, so they both have that in common. They both mm -hmm. want to abolish the federal government. The difference is, like, theoretically, like, just – Plain theoretically, in like the Twilight Zone, Adam Kokesh can become president. In no reality could Daryl W. Perry ever become president because Adam Kokesh is working within the system to take out the system, whereas Daryl W. Perry was being a liberty anarchist LARPer, pretending the system didn't exist. And then if you called him out for that, he called you a statist. Daryl W. Perry never filed an FEC report. Daryl W. Perry never fundraised except for Bitcoin. Daryl W. Perry legally would not have been on the ballot even if he got the Libertarian Party nomination. Daryl W. Perry lives in fantasy land. Adam Kokesh, while his beliefs might purely be fantasy, at least he's going through the institutions as they are because they are there. Yeah, I, I don't think, think I don't think a lot of anarchists when like you argue with them, they're like, well, in the perfect libertarian society, let me tell you, that would never exist, and the argument itself is gonna be pointless. Because if let's say you did have, you know, you pulled a Thanos, you snapped your fingers, and suddenly every institution of government is gone, you know what you're gonna have 30 minutes from now? You're gonna have a government. Well, and within an hour, within an hour, you're gonna have taxes. That's just how people are. It's not like some. It's not like somehow everyone became libertarians. And I was gonna say, I think that's one thing with Adam. I, I really did enjoy having Adam on my show because he he walked through what his plan was, and it was to to be elected president and then use this executive order. But like my, I I even you know I, I asked Adam. I said, well, you know, how do you take that libertarian messaging and this vision that you have, and how do you, how do you reach out to the average soccer mom? or the average business guy or, or what have you who they're focused on the, their, you know, their personal lives. They're focused on, you know, their day-to-day -day interactions and they're not so much focused on the, the libertarian messaging to the point that they would elect a guy who's going to just wipe out the federal government. And, uh, you know, Adam had a good answer for that. And he was basically saying that you have to go and you have to speak to them and show them how terrible the federal government is. And I think that there's some truth to that. The problem is that, you know, the, the libertarian messaging is 
then having to face the messaging being pushed by both not only the the Republican Party and their they're, they're, you know, I'd say pro-government, not so much in terms of the social programs and more in the, the military-industrial complex side of things, but then also on the, the other side, the Democratic side of things, you have the, the Democratic Party pushing their, their propaganda on their side. So we're being faced with a two-front war where both sides, they don't want to deal with the Libertarian Party because I think at the end of the day, that notion of not hurting people and not taking their stuff, that's something that people can, can grasp. They, they're not having the chance to grasp that because the, the, the propaganda being promoted by both of the major political parties, it's so loud and there's so much of it that we just kind of get lost in all this information and all this propaganda that the libertarian message becomes, it becomes hard to hear. Yeah, and I mean, somebody asked me the other day, why don't they talk about libertarianism in public schools? And like, here's the short answer. Because if kids knew about libertarians and they learned about libertarianism, they would fight to destroy public schools. <laughs> That's just how it is. It's like, why would you, it's like, you know, if you're, fan, like, I, I, I'm a big Avengers fan, and I can't get enough of Avengers Infinity War. I'm going to go see it a third time this week. But, like, seriously, if Thanos gave you the plan to beat him, because think about it, every other villain gives you their plan. Thanos doesn't give you his plan. He just tells you what he's doing. I'm going to wipe out half the universe. Like, why would you tell someone how to defeat you? Why, how would you tell, why would you tell someone your weakness? Because when you go ahead and you talk to people about freedom and liberty and this idea of peace and prosperity, people intrinsically like that. People don't like the DMV. People don't like the IRS. People don't like, um, you, you know, they don't like the ATF. They don't like cigarette taxes. They don't like ABC stores. They don't like government. That's just how it is. Some people do, but you break it down to the DMV and the IRS, and I, I have not found one person that said, I cannot live in a society without one or the other. <laughs> they don't exist. They don't exist. So it's funny because um, that actually kind of goes right to where I wanted to wrap up, was talking about Chapter 16, which was making freedom fun again. You said in, in April 2009, God gave a, uh, God gave the world a gift in the form of the television show Parks and Recreation and the Libertarian Messiah Ryan, Ron Swanson. Now, I um, I'm not one to, to butt heads with a fellow libertarian, but first and foremost, The Office is is God's gift to, to man. Parks and Rec is is the the second coming, if you will. But Michael Scott forever will be one of the best television characters of all time with what Dry Shrew. But Obviously, going to what we are discussing here, Ron Swanson, he, he is probably, if not the best depiction of a libertarian on screen. And I think that kind of goes to what you were referring to in this, this chapter is how we have to be able to humanize libertarianism and make it so it's easier for people to, to be able to, to digest seeing the inefficiencies in our local government. And I mean, you mentioned that's part of the reason why they don't teach libertarianism at public schools, because if the kids saw how bad it was, that would be their main goal was to try to take down the, the public school system. So, I mean, can you kind of summarize here, you know, chapter 16 and making freedom fun again, if, if you could in, in a word or so, just, kind of wrap up 
this this idea of the libertarian messaging and how how is it that you truly see that we can make libertarianism as you said fun for the average consumer to digest and really you know grasp onto and then bring the movement forward yeah so i'm gonna try and do this in like a hundred words or less to really impress your audience but Floor here's all yours. It, it comes down to this people don't want to go to the party with crackers ginger ale and dominoes they want to go to the party of blackjack loud music and alcohol people go where the fun is because no one likes being miserable people want to have fun people want to live life one big message i try and lay throughout the book is that you know politics in and of itself is not where you really want to end up you have to have a goal you have to have an end state and it should come down to the lifestyle of freedom the philosophy of freedom your goal should be to live your life as freely as possible so you can have as much fun in your life as you possibly can while working in harmony and peace with your fellow man because you only have one life you might as well live it to the fullest you possibly can. But sadly, there are a lot of limitations. There are a lot of things preventing you from doing that. If you don't show people the why, they won't care about the how. And ultimately, you got to just touch the human nature of other people. When they laugh, when they listen, good things happen. The worst, the biggest nightmare to government is the is like, you know, Black Lives Matter teaming up with like confederate flaggers like seriously so that would that, that so would be true. that would be the biggest threat to government because once they figure out that their mutual enemy is statism the government is screwed so and that's do, how and that's how it happens so how do we how do we help them realize like how, how do we help change the messaging to make it so people realize that live life as freely as possible and have fun in the process and other people will naturally come to you there you go. I, I think that's a really good point right there to uh, to end off on. Yeah, I mean, be a magnet, not a pusher. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> attract, attract, uh, attract your opposites and bring them in. Um, well, listen, Ramso, it was it was great talking to you, man. And thank you so much for for joining today. Um, you know, your book was an absolute joy to read. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to my audience being able to uh, to pick this up on June 23rd, or they can pre-order at w uh, rwmartinez.com forward slash book. And you'll, they'll get a, a pre-signed copy from you directly. Yes, sir? Yes, sir. There we go. And, and ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed uh, having Rems on the show today, go ahead and you please take some time to to subscribe and follow him on social media. You can find him on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash Remso Republic. Twitter at uh, twitter.com at Remso uh, 101 um, and then you know if you want to uh, check out his website please visit uh, rwmartinez.com again so you can go ahead and find the the book uh, stay away from libertarians great book great read easy read quick read and it's a lot of fun uh, you know take the time to, to read it and then go ahead and make sure you give a chance to uh, let your, your friends and family read it and as always please ladies and gentlemen feel free to share today's episode uh, you can always follow me on uh, Twitter at B Nichols Liberty and on Facebook at B Nichols Liberty and uh, if you again enjoyed today's show please feel free to rate and review on iTunes share with your friends Remso, any last uh, any last words here before we uh, we sign off? Buy my book and subscribe to Brian's show. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, it's been Brian Nichols here in the Brian Nichols Show. Uh, I was joined today once again by an absolutely fantastic guest. Stay away from li libertarians by Remso Martinez. It's uh, Brian Nichols signing off for the Brian Nichols Show. We'll see you next week.